Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome to Gem State, the trials of Chad and Lori Daybell. This is episode three, Jury Duty. If you're just joining us, I recommend you go back and listen to episodes one and two, where we're covering everything that's led up to this point so far in the case against Chad and Lori Daybell. I'm joined by Gem State producer Ryan Oswald to give us a quick recap. There's a lot to this case, so we recommend you start at the beginning if you're just joining us. Lori Vallow Daybell is accused of first-degree murder, conspiracy, and grand theft in relation to the murder of her two children, J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. Lori's husband, Chad Daybell, also faces a murder charge for the death of his wife of 29 years, Tammy Daybell. Now, Chad and Lori were married on a beach in Hawaii just two weeks after Tammy's death, all while everyone else was searching for the then-missing J.J. and Ty Lee. Investigators discovered the remains of both children buried on Chad's property. J.J. was still wearing the red pajamas he was last seen in in the last photo taken of him. So, Sarah, this was the first week of trial, but really it was jury selection, right? So what what happened now? What what happened this week? Yeah, it was definitely a long week and a lot of hard work, but the court requiring 42 potential jurors in this case to be selected for that pool before they can eventually you know, move on. So a large portion of this week dedicated to finding those 42 jurors. Gotcha. And... Did we find the 42? Well, the good news, we finally hit that magic number. As of Thursday, about 5 o'clock p.m., Judge Boyce and his attorneys agreed to work a little longer until 5.30 last night to see if they could add any extra jurors just to be safe. And now we're coming out with 45 jurors as of this morning. Oh, so they they did end up adding a few few bonus jurors, if you will. Yeah. And again, for those listeners at home, they're just doing this to make sure they have additional jurors just in case someone's sick, um, you know, car breaks down, act of God, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. There was also something I noticed through throughout the week. Uh, there was actually uh, several people that didn't show up for jury duty. Did you notice that? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. So our reporter, Angela Kerndall, has been covering the trial. She's actually at the courthouse. 
And every time she's giving us updates of what's happening, it seemed like every group of jurors that went in, there was two, two missing from this group or three missing from that group. Kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder. Um, there's a lot of different reasons, I'm assuming, why people don't show up to jury duty. But um, this is such a high-profile case, it really makes you kind of wonder why so many people kind of didn't show up. Right, absolutely. Now, have you have you ever served on a jury? I haven't, um, but been on a, covering a couple criminal cases um, up in Lewiston, Idaho, at a previous station. Oh, okay. Uh, anything big of of note anything this big nothing like nothing as big as this but um i know that a lot of people very interested in this process have have you served on a jury before ryan no i i got really close but it was kind of on the tail end of covid mm. and so it was they would call us in and then you know that that morning they would call everything off because somebody got covid and then you know try and reschedule everything and then finally they dismissed it for uh, you know, not being able to to proceed. So no, I got really close one time, but no, was uh, I've not been on a on a jury myself. Okay, so we we hit the forty two. Actually, we hit forty five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what what happens now? What are what are we doing? This is Friday morning when we're recording this. What what are they doing in court right now? Yeah. So of course, um, we're recording this Friday morning, uh, just for our folks out there, the court beginning to what is referred as the striking process in jury selection. So this means both the prosecution and defense attorneys permitted to directly ask questions on each potential juror. Now, both sides in this, get this, they get to eliminate 12 jurors each. 12 jurors each. Okay. And so I'm, I'm a little confused and maybe we don't really know the answer to this yet, but they ended up getting 45. Do each of them get one and a half more strikes or, <laughs> or what? I'm curious how that's going to work. No, definitely. Know? We're still set on the basis of that 42. So 12 each, those additional three. So again, 42 is what we want. We have 45, those additional three, um, they will be asked questions, but again, uh, not, not the same. No, additional. they're considered bonus. Yeah. Bonus. Got it. Okay. They're additional. I see. Okay. Uh, we did see one, kind of humorous exchange um, between a, a juror that was getting questioned this week. Do you want to you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the man being questioned, uh, his wife, apparently a crime junkie who already had been updating him on how many jurors had been selected in the case while he's actually in the Ada County Courthouse, mind you. So then when he was asked if there'd be a problem with him kind of avoiding any media coverage during the trial, he just said, only if I have to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you have to imagine she's probably really bummed that oh, yeah. uh, that he's. I'm sure he's probably relieved, but I'm sure she's bummed because what what better source of information would you have if oh you yeah know, a, a juror on uh, you know serving serving on the the jury? No, definitely getting it straight from the source, right? Really. Well, if she's listening, uh, shout out to you. <laughs> okay, so during the striking phase here, mm. what? What does that mean? What what's happening? What are what are some of the questions that we can expect that the defense and the prosecution are asking right now? Yeah, what they're both looking for is biases or the perceived inability to kind of follow court directions. So again, they want people that are unbiased and able to basically just follow directions, which is harder than you would actually think. So biases can come from direct knowledge of the case through any type of media coverage. So that can be through, of course, you know, 
watching TV or different reports, uh, reading, or even listening this, to this yeah, podcast. <laughs> this this also would be considered that. So something right. to keep in mind. But it can also potentially come from previous experiences that could relate one way or another to that trial. So again, keep in mind, Idaho, while it is a big state as far as landmass, there's not a lot of people in Idaho. So again, a lot of people knowing about this case, this is a nationwide case. It's it's going to be hard to find people that know absolutely nothing. Absolutely. We saw that during um, the first process that they, they were going through with jury selection this week and large chunks of each group <clears throat> were being excused mm -hmm. right off the bat. Now, a lot of that was due to hardship, right? Yeah, yeah. But a good chunk of that was also just because they watch the news, they've mm -hmm. seen documentaries, things like that, right? Yeah, sometimes it's hard. I mean, especially with these national cases, um, it's it's hard to even just avoid getting little pieces of information. Right. Now, that's ultimately why they made the motion to move from Rexburg. Mm hmm move that case to Boise out here in Ada County, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And again, Judge Boyce from Fremont County still presiding over the case. So again, the person that has been in charge from the beginning still there at the helm, but just, you know, a change of a change of scenery. Change of venue, right? Yeah. yeah. And now that's presumably so that they had a bigger jury pool to select from, correct? Definitely. So they had about 1,800 people initially being called for jury duty at the Ada County Courthouse this week. 1,800. Mm -hmm. That's and, a that's now, a big number. Yeah, no. And now we're down to 45. So again, after this striking phase, 12, 12 each. So that's 24. So again, we're looking for a total of 18 jurors when it comes down to it. So that's 18, 12 of which are the jury itself, and then six alternates. Got it. Yeah, and today they're hoping to get to that number. Now, once they're sworn in, then Judge Boyce will give further instructions on how to proceed with the trial. Right. And then one thing we did notice is that the court sent out a memo to all of the media partners. I think they kind of sent it out as a, a public advisory as well. But uh, they're expecting opening statements to begin on Monday. Is that right? Yeah, 830 a.m. at the Ada County Courthouse. Now, give us an idea what what is opening statements going to look like? What what can we expect from from that going forward? Yeah, so the purpose of opening statements um, for the them to be able to outline and them again being the prosecution and defense both getting their time to talk. So they're basically giving their opening statements, outlining to the jury what each side or party believe the evidence will establish in their case. So again, this is all the preliminary. This will be the first time we're hearing about any direct evidence coming from the state. That's a big one that lots of people are very interested to hear. We'll have autopsies, cell phone records, and evidence that nobody outside of prosecution has even seen. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right. That's that's going to be pretty interesting. One thing that I know we're, we're keeping an eye on here, so... Chad Daybell mm -hmm. is charged directly with the murder of Tammy Daybell, mm -hmm. his his wife of 29 years, by the way. But now, uh, let's see, Lori is also charged in conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that we don't know much about. Tammy's body was exhumed. 
and then the autopsy was performed and then Chad was charged with with murder. Now Chad's not on trial right now. His trial will be at a at a later date, but one of the things that we know really nothing about is what evidence came from that that autopsy. The yeah. police didn't say anything, right? Prosecution hasn't hasn't said anything about it, so we don't even know what what that autopsy revealed, right? Yeah, and I think one of the biggest question marks in this entire trial is going to be Chad Daybell. Now, keep in mind, uh, we're going to hear from Lori's defense team in opening statements on Monday. Again, that's April 10th. And that's what people are most interested to see is how the defense approaches Chad Daybell, because there's a lot of ways that this trial can turn. And of course, we'll be following every step of the way. Right. One of the things I'm curious about is the defense's job is just to provide doubt Right. The prosecution's job is to prove that you're guilty. It's not your job in our system of justice to prove that you're innocent. Mm -hmm. And so if the defense is able to just put in a little bit of of doubt here and there, what what is that going to look like? What what sorts of things are they going to do? And are they going to throw Chad Daybell, you know, kind of put him forward as no, it was really Chad. Mm -hmm. Lori was kind of along for the ride. So these are all things we're going to be we're going to be following along and watching pretty closely. No, definitely. Um yeah, they're also the defense on top of that going to be trying to test how strong their case is, putting that doubt into people's minds, and that actually starts with the jury selection process. So again, we've been kind of watching this day by day as it's unfolding, but really it's going to begin with opening statements on Monday. Absolutely. Now, one thing we should say here is that we will be obviously doing our regular updates here. And then if any breaking news, we'll, we will break in with uh, bonus episodes. Uh, but our regular schedule so far is we're planning to do these updates on Fridays. That way we have kind of the week's worth of information we're able to update you on. But during the week, you can follow us at CBS2Boise on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can also follow along with our updated blog on IdahoNews.com where we're putting all of this information, our reporter in the field right now, Angela Kerndall, has been doing a great job for us, huh? She really has. Um, and of course, we'll also have some of that recording from inside the court that we'll be able to share with you. And we also have sketches from inside the courtroom as well. That's something that you'll also be able to get your eyes on. Yeah, absolutely. We're not allowed to have cameras in the court. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also at the mercy of the court to mm -hmm. get the yes. daily recordings. And so we're, we're working hard to get, get those recordings right now. But there's been some pretty interesting sketches coming out so far this week and so to, to be able to see those go over to our, our website at idahonews.com as well so sarah as i was sitting down to to edit this we had some uh kind of some breaking news something changed you want to tell us what happened yeah yeah day five um of the Lori vallow daybell case of course we're, we're moving into the striking phase and we just found out that that is now done with they were able to get through all of the striking all of that questioning from both the defense and the prosecution we are now down to just 18 jurors so we are at the number we need to be able to go into opening statements now 24 of those jurors now excused from the courtroom and opening statements can now begin on monday Again, April 10th. That seems like that happens so fast. It is, what, just after 10 o'clock here? Yeah, um, according to Angela Kerndall, of course, who is at the Ada County Courthouse this morning, um, this happened within at least an hour. Wow. That's way faster than we were anticipating. Definitely working very quickly. And another thing to note, too, um, from Angela, who's at the courthouse, 
She's saying a court administrator saying there's about 60 seats inside of the courtroom for opening statements on Monday. Again, that filled up in just two minutes. Oh, my goodness. Well, we will be there. Of course, we will be there. Yes. And we will continue to bring updates both here and on IdahoNews.com as well as at CBS2 across all of our social media. You've been listening to Gem State, the trials of Chad and Lori Daybell. I'm Sarah Jacobson. And I'm Ryan Oswald. We'll see you next week.